0: Welcome to C3 Church, Tubra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I have been unpacking what I heard the Lord say to me at the beginning of this year, which was a revelation of 2020, but not just the year 2020, but the decade 2020. As I waited on the Lord, he said to me that the word that he is revealing to me and to the church, not just this church, but the church, is the word unveil. And he said, Julie, I'm about to unveil so many aspects of my kingdom, and I want you to unleash these, open up the eyes and the minds of people so that they would be ready to receive. Amen? It says in Amos that God does nothing Without, he first doesn't reveal it through his servants, the prophets. And people have gifts like mine, if you don't understand, where we can actually hear from God. And we actually hear what God is saying to the church, not just to individuals. A lot of people think prophetic ministry is that we can prophesy over individuals. And we can. But then there's another level or a layer of that For a prophet, when a prophet will hear God for a a region, a church, a region, a nation, the nations, governments, and you know, download major, major things. So, when God speaks to me, sometimes it's bigger than I can give to this church, but I'm going to give you bite sized pieces in the hope that we as a church would have our eyes open and have our ears open and have our hearts responsive to what God wants to do in 2020. There were 14 things that God said that he wanted to unveil in 2020, and I'm up to the third one preaching on that right now. So I preached, first of all, that God was going to unveil a deeper intimacy with Christ. And you can go back to the podcast, and it would be good to listen to this in series so that you know what we're unpacking here. The second time I preached, I preached on God is unveiling the hidden ones. If you feel like you're a hidden one and and you feel like you've been unseen, perhaps, you know, doing things without being noticed but still serving God, then that's for you to listen to. This morning, I want to speak to you about that God is about to unveil eyes. You know, 2020 is a great caption for 2020 vision and i believe and that god is going to unlock eyes unveil eyes so that we can actually come into a realm where he begins to give us 2020 vision where we begin to get the lenses of our eyes renewed a little while back there was i was having trouble with my sight i've always had a astigmatism anybody got a astigmatism in the room so You know, as I got older, I was having trouble seeing distance, but I always had trouble with light reflection and things off my eyes because the stigmatism is that your eyes aren't quite shaped in in a circle. They're a little bit pointy. Therefore, the light reflects into the back of your eye and you often have trouble focusing just because of light reflection. And so it started to get worse and it got worse. And when I went to see an optometrist, he said, Julie, I have bad news for you, you've developed cataracts in the back of your eye, which is covering the lens at the back of your eye, when I went to see the specialist, the specialist said, actually, you shouldn't even be driving. You're almost blind in one eye. (laughs) I found that out after I crashed into Jilly's brick wall at her house and dented my beautiful car. Um, You shouldn't even be driving. And so the specialist then put me in for surgery and he gave me a lens transplant. He actually took my lens out of my eyes, at the back of my eyes, and put another lens in. And of course, they only do one eye at a time, so you've got one eye after the surgery. You're awake during the surgery, by the way. It's quite daunting, but they put one bandage over one eye so you can only see out of your bad eye until they take the bandage off, and then they do the other eye. And the first time I took the bandage off, when he'd only done one eye, which was the worst eye, I just stood on my back porch and just began to sob and sob and sob. Because what I realized was not only had my eyesight deteriorated to a point where I was really struggling, but in fact, I had never seen the leaves on the trees. I'd never seen it. And I stood there on my back porch because he said to me, while I'm in there, would you like me to do a little bit of laser and I'll just fix up your astigmatism as well? I went. Yeah. And this beautiful Christian doctor threw it in for nothing for me. And so he did that. But with one eye, by the time he did the second eye, I'm like astounded now by what I can see in the distance. I still have to wear glasses for reading now, which that's fine. I'm sixty, normal. But I can see, I can look at trees, I can see the leaves and the formations. Way in, I can see mountains that I could never see before because God gave me a lens transplant or the doctors gave me a lens transplant. And I believe that God is about to give his church a lens transplant right. because we've been able to see to a certain extent, but we don't realize how much we can't see until God gives you some eyes that can see more clearly. You know that song, I can see clearly now the rain has come, you know, or gone. We can see clearly and all of a sudden we go, "What? how was I living? Right. I thought I could see, but actually I could only see in limited ways. Right. And I believe God's going to give us a, 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 a lens transplant, right. unveil our eyes to his mysteries, to his kingdom, to his world, to the way that he wants to function, that is going to give us such hope and such faith. Right. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hope right. is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet Seeing. So there's a spiritual world all the way around us all the time yeah. that we hope is there and we have faith in it because it's the evidence of things not yet seen. But do we have enough hope and enough faith to believe that there's more? Can we activate our faith in this season to say, God, if you're saying it, then I believe it and I choose to open myself up to it and receive what you are giving. God, I want within me a deeper hunger and a thirst for your kingdom because we are not here just to mark time. We're not here even just to be a social club, or a a locked away group of people who are just biding our time till Jesus comes back and we all get to get off the planet. We're actually supposed to be here making a difference. Each one of us needs to make a difference. You know, we need to hear what God is saying and see what God is doing. And in 2 Kings, there's an incredible story here about Elijah and his servant. And when when it says the servant, when Elijah has a servant, it usually means a mentoree. So it's someone that Elijah is mentoring in the prophetic or mentoring in the things of God. It's not just someone who like carries his bags and you know looks after him, but it's a servant saying that he is walking with Elijah, that he's watching what Elijah does, and hopefully he's learning from Elijah. And when you walk with someone who has a gift, it's incredible how that gift can open up and get on you. You know, the Bible says that Saul, King Saul, was not a prophet, but when he was with the prophets, he prophesied. So there is an anointing that can open up over you when you submit yourself under a fivefold gift. And so here we have Elijah. And in 2 Kings 6, 18 to 19, this is in the NIV version. Just let me look at this story. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So he only conferred with his officers. He was going to come against Israel, and he had a strategy, a secret strategy, how to defeat Israel. The man of God, meaning Elijah, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Armenians are going down there. How did Elijah know, first and foremost, that this secret strategy was being done by the Armenian king, the, the king of Aram. How did he know this was being done? He wasn't in the room when it was said, but he had knowledge of it because he's had eyes to see into a realm that we need to understand more and more and more as we walk into the day that we are living in. And so the man of God sent... Word to the king of Israel, beware, don't go down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha, sorry, it's Elisha, not Elijah. Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So it just kept happening. Every time this king set up a strategy to attack Israel, Elisha would go to the king of Israel and say, don't go there, don't go here, Don't be be careful of that. Don't you think that that is God's strategy? Don't you think that God is in control of all things? If we just listen to him, it would be so much easier in our lives. And so time and again, Elisha warned the king. Verse 11, this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? He thinks he's got a spy in his camp. And they said, none of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel, the very words you speak in your bedroom. (laughs) The very words you speak in your bedroom. It's called the word of knowledge. Do you know that you all have an ability to get words of knowledge? To actually know what's going on behind closed doors, to actually see in a spirit realm beyond walls and to see into that place. And the king ordered, go out, find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. Now, here we go with the servant of the man of God. So, Elisha's mentoring. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And he started to panic, as you would. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asks. And Elisha says, do not be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. See, Elisha's servant was already seeing. He wasn't blind. He could see that was surrounded by chariots and horses, and they were incredibly outnumbered. He could see in the natural. That's not what Elisha was speaking about. Elisha was speaking about opening his eyes to see into a realm that Elisha learned learn to live in and to see from, open his eyes to see that there are more that are for us than are with them. Yeah. You know, we sing that song, and this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Right. Where do you think that song comes from? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Because God wants us to see in a different realm in the day that we live in. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, I don't know about you, but in the day that we're living in where there is an unprecedented, yeah, thank you, unprecedented amount of things going on. I mean, there's stuff going on. And we, we're looking at this. I'm talking about this in my other sermons, but we're looking at this all the time. I mean, you just scroll Facebook for an hour, and you, you're pretty, you're pretty you, you know, I mean, just this, this week, you know, that, that horrific murder of that family. I mean, just that would stop me sleeping for a week if I read that too many times. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is going on? You know, we've got coronavirus. We've got this going on. We've got that. We've got wars and rumors of wars. It's all happening around us. But God wants us to give us eyes to see that there are more that are for us than are against us. God wants us to see that we are on the winning side. God wants us to see that we have the power and the anointing, amen, to not just walk through these things untouched and undamaged, but to actually make a difference where we are. There are actually Christians right now that are going into Wuhan. Is it Wuhan City? Where the corona, they're actually going in there right now, risking their lives to preach the gospel. In a country where it's illegal to preach the gospel, you will be jailed. You will, could be killed for preaching the gospel, they're going into that city, they're preaching the gospel, and they're seeing people healed of corona disease. They're seeing it healed. Because why? Because they said, I think that we have the answer to this. We don't have to sit back in fear and trembling. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God. And if Psalm 91 is true, then when we walk through those places, it will not harm us. Amen? It will not come near my tent. Jesus would walk straight through. He never caught the diseases of the people that he laid hands on. Why didn't he ever catch leprosy? Why could the disciples lay hands on lepers? If you touch a leper, you instantly get leprosy. They laid hands on the lepers, and it wasn't that the force of that disease that came at them. It wasn't the fear of that disease that came on then, but it was the power of God within them that went against that disease. Wow. See, we are supposed to be right on our front foot. See, mode. We are supposed to be in offensive. Jesus came to set the captives free. Come on. And he said, go into the world, each one of us, and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, amen, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I am with you to the very end of the age, I've got it all worked out, I've got a perfect plan, and you're part of my plan, and my plan isn't the world being taken out by a, a, a pestilence. Yes, you'll see pestilences. Yes, you'll see diseases. Yes, you'll see wars and rumors of wars. All these things have to happen, Jesus said. But use it as a sign that it's time to arise, not a sign that it's time to retreat. Amen? I love that phrase. Those that are with us are more than who are with them. Well, those that are for us, are more than those that are against us. Have you ever thought about, you know, sometimes we get really freaked out about evil and the devil and demons and, you know, the force of evil on the planet. But, you know, when Satan was cast out of heaven for being disobedient to God, a third of the angels rebelled against God with him. Is that right? One third. So he had one-third of the angels with him on the earth. Does anybody think that Satan can create? Is he? Is he a creator? You can talk to me. No. So that means that big no, Pastor Phil says big no. So that means if he can't create, he can't create any more fallen angels. Is that right? So he started off all those thousands of years ago with a third of the angels, and God had two-thirds. Can God create? Do you think that God, in a moment in time, could release uh, legions? Legion is about 3,000 angels. I see it in the Word. In fact, it says, if you ask me, I will release my angels commanding you. I will command my angels concerning you. So he can release and create legions of angels. Like that. Is that right? Can God control weather? Can Satan? And so if we look and do the maths, Satan had a third of the angels, which were now called demons, fallen angels, working for him. And we've been doing a pretty good job since Jesus came in the last 2,000 years of casting many of those out and sending them back to where they belong. I don't know about you, but I've probably done a 1,000 myself. Love it. I love it. And so therefore I wonder just how big this devil is and what he has in comparison to what we have. What we have access to right now, at our fingertips right now, but God wants to open our eyes because we are blinded by lies. We are blinded by like this servant that we go into panic and go, oh no, no, this is too big now. God can't deal with this. And Elijah says, open his eyes. Let him see that there are more that are for us than are against us. If you could open your eyes in this room right now, if God opened your spiritual eyes in this room, many of you have eyes to see. In fact, Katrina, where are you? How many angels in here right now, right now? Just have a look. They're lining both the sides here, all along here. Yeah? You might think you're in a big black square building, but actually we're in a very throne room of God. That angelic hosts have been sent here this morning. When we were in worship this morning, I felt like there was something dark across the top of the the portal that God wanted to open over this place. But you know, I don't go, oh no, oh no, the devil's here and he's gonna get us and he's gonna stop worship. As if. What do I say? Open. In the name of Jesus open and i don't know if you felt it but there was a point in that worship when that portal got open and, <laughs> and god came see i'm just trying to get your faith up here i'm not trying to preach you a theological sermon or a three-point sermon i'm trying to use what i see and bring you into that place so that we can all see amen You know, I've been quoting this scripture over the last few times that i preached. It says, arise, this is Isaiah chapter 60, it's in the AMPC, the Amplified Classic. Arise from the depression and the prostration in which circumstances have held you in. So often we just give up. So often we just sit down. So often a little bit of, you know, stuff comes against us and we sit down as if we do not have a God. As if there is no God. We just sit back into it. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And I shared a few weeks ago, Isaiah chapter 60 has, is a prophetic word that has not been fulfilled as yet. And we believe, the prophets across the earth believe, that this scripture is being fulfilled right now. It's not when... It's not when it's going to come. It's not like a promise that we're waiting for for 20 years. It's happening right now. There's an arising and a shining of the church of God, and the glory of God is being seen in greater dimensions. And I'm telling you, he is not going to stop pouring it out. He's not going to stop pouring it out. You know, if you look at church history, you would see that, that there, there comes... God pouring out his spirit in a dimension, in a certain dimension. He never pours all of it out at once. He'll just pour it out in a certain dimension across the church. And then he would let them sit on that. Now, typical outpouring, revival, renewal, whatever you want to call it, visitation of God usually lasts around seven years, doesn't usually stretch more than that. And then God lets us sort ourselves out again. And God lets us get into our own, you know, our own way of doing things again. And we soon fall back into routine, boxing God in, you know, this is as big as God is and this, we have to make it Um, acceptable to this generation whatever excuse we use we've got to water it down, bring it down and, and it's true you can't push anything that God is not in you have to flow with the seasons and the ebbs and flows of God, so if it's in a time of rest and God's declaring rest which he did over this church for a year then we rest and we don't push We don't try and push anything because what you end up with is an Ishmael or a false promise, but you always want the truth and the real thing. Is that right? And so after seven years, we begin to get frustrated. The church begins to get frustrated. Not many people are getting saved anymore. That The altar calls aren't that on fire. Our worship is great, but it's not quite going. We start to get a divine frustration again as the people of God, and we begin to cry out to God, and God hears our prayers, and then he pours out another dimension of himself, and it lasts about seven years, and then we go through this cycle. If you look at Israel, it's exactly the same cycle that Israel I went, they would love God, God would do miracles, they would love God, they would go back to normal. God would do miracles, they would love God, God would go, they would go back to normal. Whinging, complaining, normal life, you know, forgetting the promises of God, forgetting the miracles. It is in our human nature. Right. It is imprinted in our human nature to always want to go back to comfort and normal. And so God in his graciousness over the years has poured out, pulled back poured out, pull back, but never is an outpouring ever like that was the old days and we did that, we need something new. The thing is that God never does anything without a purpose and a plan, is that right? And so every outpouring that God has ever put upon the earth, and I'm talking worldwide, every outpouring had a purpose. And God didn't say, well, that's over. Let's get on with something new. God says, no, I'm layering in the very purposes of building my church. Even though you don't know it, every outpouring is a layering in of what I am building for this day that we are now walking in. And now he is not about to pour out his spirit, He's not about to come visit us. He's not about to bring renewal. He's not about to bring revival. He's not about to bring a divine visitation. He's not about to manifest himself in the manifest presence of God. He's not about to come down amongst us. He is. It has begun. And right across the earth, there are outbreakings and outpourings of the Holy Spirit that are unprecedented. And I'll tell you why. Because everything that he's put in place, the the anointing that released the prophetic, the anointing that released the apostles, the anointing that released healing, the anointing that released the evangelist, on and on and on we go. And every one of those building blocks right now is about to come in to the maturity of the bride of Christ, having all of those things in place, and now he's about to send us out. He's about to send us out. Because there is a one billion soul harvest, they say, and I believe for more than that, that is right on the brink. And it's gonna take the body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, having eyes to see what God is doing and rising up and coming out of the lies that contain us, out of the insecurities that hold us back, out of the sin that has kept us in bondage, out of, out of the comfort zones that have put us in, in, in comfort zone, out of, out of the, the, the lethargy that stops us praying. We've got to rise up and we're going to begin to say it's enough. And I'm driving through my suburb and I started to think of that old movie Left Behind. And those of you who are ancient as me would remember it was a movie called Left Behind back in the 80s. And if you wanted to get someone saved, you'd take them to see this movie because it would scare them into getting saved because it was all about Jesus coming and rapturing his church and taking the church away and just leaving those that are unsaved on the earth, which is scriptural. And, you know, people would come into the house and their mother would be gone and her clothes would be neatly folded on the end of the bed and she's gone, you know, it's like. And uh, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, God what if you were to rapture us right now? What about if you were to take us off this earth right now? How many of my community would not be going with me? And I just had to pull over the side of the road and just weep and weep and go, God, I am a pastor of a church, and yet my community isn't even getting saved. It's not right. It's not right. How many in your community? And so we go and we stand before Jesus and He'll say, what did you do with that which I gave you? We need to start to ask Him, open our eyes, God. It says in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 60, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, a dense darkness, all peoples, but the Lord shall arise upon you and His glory shall be seen in you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. You know, right now, just let me read this scripture to you. It says, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. That was the second thing Elisha said. Open his eyes, Lord, that he might see. Ephesians Chapter one, verse 17, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through deepening your intimacy with him. How do I know him? By deepening my intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. Or another, another translation will say, "I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement." Of His immense power, as it works through you. Hallelujah. You know when we when we first had the ministry or the call of God exposed in our lives, we were in a church, and it was a, a, a well-known consensus opinion that it was probably the dry, one of the driest times in this nation, in the church, in the nations. And we probably went like four years without an altar call, four years without seeing a salvation, four years without a healing, four years without any feeling God. And it wasn't the pastor's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just the season we were in. And and we, Phil and I were just so hungry for God. We just wanted God. And we heard about that God is starting to break out in other places. So we got the videos. This is back in the day, videos. We got the videos... Of what God was doing, because we heard that it's an impartation—that if you can get around it, you catch it. We and see, well, we need to catch something, or we're all going to die. Amen. We were like the lepers—that where well, we most will go, because we're all dying anyway. And so we watched these videos, and it was true. It started to get on us and we were then in the presence of God all night, two in the morning, we were under the presence of God. We started to invite people in our connect group. Our connect group grew from 10 people to 20 people. We had for an extension on our house. It grew more. We were, we were going like all night. People didn't want to leave. It was amazing. Then the pastor said, why don't you come and preach in, my ch- in our church? Now, I wasn't a preacher. I was an evangelist. I'd go around and evangelize through my dance school, but I'd never preached in a church. I had no experience. He said, Julie, you've got to bring what you've got. So he loosed me on our quite large church that would been dry for a long, long time, I didn't even know what to say. But it wasn't what I said, it's what I carried. Because I'd caught something. I'd opened myself up to something that was bigger than me, bigger than any of us ever had. And so I just, me, little girl, no, no experience, stood behind the pulpit and just read a scripture. And the next minute, people just falling out of their chairs onto the ground. People were rolling up and down the aisles. People were running to the front, getting saved and crying out. Ladies that wore their skirts to church. And had their hair done nice after it went for about three or four weeks, they got their jeans on. They're coming and they're saying, I want jeans to church today because I wanna I wanna get touched by God. I want God to touch me like that. Suddenly the church turned into, you know, from a clicky, clicky, bitchy there place. Uh, All these people that were just so fleshy and yucky, suddenly it was an organism, it was alive, and people were loving each other, and people that never talked to that person on that side of the room suddenly were hugging and kissing. Marriages were being healed, bodies were being restored, people were falling in love with Jesus. We went around all the connect groups and all the leadership groups, and Phil and I just poured out whatever we had, and it just kept coming. It was like this river that just kept flowing through us until God finally said, well, you need. You, now, now you, you don't need a, a, an extension for your connect group you need a hall so we hired a hall and we had like 200 people come into our connect group and then it would go to like 2 in the morning and then there would just be bodies with all over the place of God just coming so powerfully when God comes so powerfully it's not a freak show it's actually quite holy and you know you can't stand you don't want to you either got to get on your knees or get on your face because the presence of God is so thick. You're just so surrounded by the, the, the thickness of His love that you just want more and you never want it to end. And time goes and you don't even know it because you're just in where you're supposed to be. This, we've had a taste of that. We birthed our church in that. We had two and a half years of full blown documented revival. And God moved. And then it waned. And God said to me, I'm gonna pull back. He said to me, this was in 1998. I'm gonna pull back, Julie, but I want you to build my church. I want you to get structure in place. I want you to get teams in place. We need a home. We need a place for revival. We need a place where it's gonna break out. I'm gonna pull back, but I'm gonna come again and when I come, you're going to be running till Jesus comes back. Right. And I was listening to a prophetic voice, and I'm finishing now. I'm sorry, but we went a, a bit longer in other spaces. But I was listening to a prophetic voice just this week, another Larry Randolph, who's a champion to all prophets across the world. He's He's an older person, but totally respected and totally wise and beautiful. And he said where rain was pouring on his roof. And he could hear it. He could hear it. And it was in a place where it was drought. There hadn't been rain. He could hear the rain on the roof. He could hear it hitting the windows. He could hear it hitting the ground outside. And he'd get up and have a look, and there was no rain. Got back into bed. The rain would start again. And he knew that in Samuel, when God wanted to speak, Samuel said the third time, God, I'm speaking I'm, I'm, I, can, I'm, I know you're speaking. Let me hear what you're saying. So as soon as Larry Randolph said that, Jesus was standing at the end of his bed. And he said this to Larry Randolph, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be before the coming of the Son of Man. And we always take that scripture like, you know, sin and debauchery and all this. Yes, those things will happen. But what else happened in the days of Noah? Noah built an ark. And it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained and it didn't stop raining. And Larry Randolph said, Jesus spoke to him just in the beginning of 2020. He said, that vision that you had about the rain coming and not stopping, this is the last outpouring of my spirit and where it's about to begin. We've entered into the decade of an outpouring like we have never seen before. And he said it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain, and it's not going to stop. There will be no stopping and seven after seven years, it's gonna rain till Jesus comes back. And it's gonna not decrease but increase in glory. It's just gonna keep increasing and increasing. We are going to be deluged with the presence and the Spirit of God. You know last week there was a, a a big Uh, What do you call those big rally Uh, in Brazil called the Send? And it's a whole. This is a whole. There was three stadiums, by the way. There's a picture of one here. Just put the one stadium. There was three stadiums uh, of young people, old people, people that are saying, "I'm not going to a conference so I can get touched by God, so I can get filled, so I can get something for me." I'm going because I want to be imparted to by God so I can go out. Because it's called the send. Right. And that's what God is doing. He's going to fill his church and he's going to empower us to make a difference in this world. Amen? And there's there's just one. There were three of those at this send uh, at the same time. And I'll just read it here. It says, there was here there was... Um, 140,000 people gathered in three stadiums at once, worshiping, praying to God, and asking God that would empower them to go out and save the world. It's basically why they were there. And it says there was 4,877 decisions for Christ anyway. 7,890 youth enrolled as evangelists to their schools. 6,457 enrolled to care for orphans. There were others that enrolled to go and break um, sex slavery and, and deal with sex slavery. I mean, it's about the church making a difference, being the head and not the tail, and standing up. In this particular meeting that we're looking at right now, the president of Brazil was there. He got gloriously saved, stood on the stage, and said, Brazil belongs to God. And as long as I'm president, this this is a godly country, wept in front of all those people and got gloriously saved. This is what God is going to do. He's going to change nations. Can a nation be saved in a day, God says? Can it? Absolutely, it can. In Iran right now, who would say that Iran's a difficult place for the gospel? Who knows that it is illegal to preach the gospel in Iran, that you will be jailed or killed for preaching the gospel in Iran. In 1994, there were 100,000 underground believers in Iran, 1994. Right now, there are 3 million plus, 3 million plus Christians in Iran. Right now. Hundreds of thousands. This this is the quotes that they're sending out. Hundreds of thousands are coming to Christ in Iran every day. Every day. It's an unstoppable move of God that the government can't control, and they are willing to die for their faith. They're willing to die. Kill me, but I'm following Christ. They're rising up and coming out of fear, coming out of enslavement and being saved. Three million Christians in Iran. Amen? I'm trying to stir something on the inside of you. Amen? I want to stir something on the inside of you. Now you say, Julie, these things are happening in other nations and God is pouring out his spirit. Right now there's a revival in Tennessee. They can't stop it. It's just flowing through, and it came through a combined churches. It's filling every church. It's not just one denomination, one church. Every church is being smashed at the same time in the whole of Tennessee. They don't know why. They did have a prayer meeting together. It might have started something, amen? But God is about to come in unprecedented ways, and I'm saying about to come because I feel like we're just seeing the tricklings of it now in our nation. We're beginning to see something that is so profound and so beautiful. If you've never experienced God coming in his manifest glory, I want you to start to hunger for it. I've experienced his manifest glory coming so thick. It's called the Shekinah glory of God, the weight of God. That I'm on the ground, I can't stand, and I feel like there's a weight on top of me that's pushing me into the ground. And I feel like every fiber of my being is being transformed into his image under his anointing and under his power, and I never wanna get up. I've experienced those moments and those times. I can tell you it's worth living for, it's worth fighting for, and it's worth coming out of our comfort for to begin to be hungry Because if he says to me this is unprecedented what I'm about to pour out and I've experienced some pretty amazing encounters with God. I've been in a room with 40 foot angels speaking to me. I've seen some amazing stuff, I'm telling you right now. But what we have seen is nothing because the building blocks that he's been putting in place over the years, over the last 2000 years He's about to put the upper room on it. He's about to give us an upper room experience where we're gonna change the face of the earth and be the head and not the tail. And I believe that there's a fresh anointing here for eyes to be opened. I do believe it. I believe, like that scripture said with Elisha, where he prayed, Lord, open his eyes so he can see the way I see, I feel like there's an anointing on me today to release that kind of vision. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c 3 telgraorgau We hope to see you at church soon.